Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. John Finn about overcoming destructive habits to develop positive super habits. Dr. John Finn, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Hi, John. It's a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the UK. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about overcoming destructive habits to develop more positive super habits. I love that framing. Certainly, we don't want to be derailed in our careers or in our lives with destructive habits. Um, but we also want to build upon you know, any weaknesses and and develop strengths in areas that can help propel us forward. So these are all the things that we're going to be exploring together today. As we get started, I wanted to share Dr. John Finn's bio with everybody. John wrote his best-selling book, The Habit Mechanic, which took him over 20 years because his life's mission is to help people to be their best in the challenging modern world. This book is proven to change lives. People have said it is a manual for life, and a toolkit for success. It contains over 30 self-improvement tools and is like three books in one. Dr. John Finn founded the award-winning Tougher Minds Consultancy and has three psychology-related degrees, including a PhD. He has worked in performance psychology, resilience, and leadership science for over 20 years. And I could go on and on, but at this point, John, I'll just give you a chance to share with the audience anything else about yourself, your background that you'd like them to know, and then we'll dive on into the conversation. Yeah, the important thing, I suppose, from my background is I started in academia, so that so that's my grounding. I have three psychology-related degrees, as you said, and what I learned, I think, quite early on, because I was trying to be a high performer myself in either athletic background playing rugby, was that knowing what you need to do is very different from being able to do it, and I found a lot of the things I was learning in my education was helping people to know what they should do but actually that didn't work because we don't do what we know we should do most people agree it's a good idea to eat five portions of fruit and veg a day um and certainly in the uk i think more people than ever before understand that but the nhs still spends billions of pounds a year treating diseases that emerge because people don't eat five portions of fruit and veg a day so i understood that we had to take a different approach to helping people to be their best and the route that I thought was the most compelling to me was to help people to build better habits. 
So my journey has been about taking the, the academic piece, including the neuroscience and the behavioral science, which is often overlooked, you know, moving away from those or building on those black box theories that, that we've been looking at for over a hundred years and using the, the more cutting edge stuff as well. And breaking that into simple, practical things people can do every day to help themselves to be at their best, which we call habit mechanic. And once you can do that, then to learn how to help others to be at their best, we call it becoming a chief habit mechanic. So really I'm about giving people simple, practical things that they can be doing to help them individually and collectively feel better, do better, lead better, you know, make life easier. Because unfortunately the way our brain is designed, it's easier than ever before to do and think and develop lots of really unhelpful habits. And that's, you know, from the from from lockdown onwards, that's become even easier to do to do unhelpful things. So yeah, that's a bit more about me and what I'm interested in doing. Yeah. Thank you for that background. And we share that scholar practitioner orientation. My degrees aren't in psychology, they're in sociology. Uh, but it sounds like we probably have a lot of overlap in, in our backgrounds as well as our interests and what we're trying to do now. And like you said, during the pandemic, man, there were a lot of people that developed a lot of really unhealthy healthy habits. And part of that is just due to the nature of lockdowns and isolation and all of those things that, you know, in terms of our mental health, were real challenge and strain in terms of our physical health. I mean, I remember I've always been pretty good about exercising and walking my dogs and get, you know, getting movement, getting my steps in all of that. And then uh, I found as soon as, <clears throat> excuse me, as soon as the lockdowns happened, my just a lot of my normal movement stopped because I wasn't, you know, going to work, walking around the building going, walking from place to place for meetings and all that kind of stuff. I was still walking my dogs. I was still doing other exercise, but, but all of a sudden my steps per day dropped in half just simply because I was sticking at home mostly. Uh, and so I had to be very mindful about making sure that I'm continuing to get the kind of movement that I need, that I'm not slipping into unhealthy habits around the food that I eat, uh, all that kind of stuff, as well as the, the mental health components. Um, those are just some examples, but I mean, it, it goes into so many different things. And I, and I think at this point, uh, many people are, are trying to wrestle with how to get back to more healthy habits that they had perhaps before the pandemic or to re-envision, re-imagine what it looks like for them to be healthy moving into the future. All of that I think is is great. So we we just talked about, and and I just shared some examples around health habits, uh, mental health, physical health. Um, feel free to share anything else you, you might be thinking along those lines, but also what are some of the other types of destructive habits that people tend to develop that really end up derailing them in their life success and their career success? Yeah. And I think just to build on what you were saying, what I originally understood habits were is very, very different to what I understand they are now. And I think we almost need to forget everything we think we understand about habits because we get we get taught, well, it's, it's about half of what you do and you can build a new one in 21 days. We have dramatically re-understood how humans operate over the last 10, 20 years with the advent of things like functional MRI scanners. We are being driven largely, and I'm talking at least 98% of what you are thinking and doing right now is automatic or semi-automatic behavior 
when I say behaviour, I mean thinking and doing. And that is very invisible to us. We have a tiny bit of consciousness, but everything else is just running on autopilot. The way we're making decisions about what we're doing right now, about what I'm saying, the way you're deciding whether it's good or bad, what I'm saying, or it's helpful or unhelpful, that is running on predict on a predictive brain. So we are being driven by this automatic stuff. And what we're designed to do, you talked about movement. We we understand, and I find it pretty complex. We're designed to move around and solve problems. So movement is a fundamental part of what humans have evolved to do. And when you stop moving around, you feel a lot different. And I'm sure because you're so tuned into being at your, your best, John, you you probably notice faster than others were, wouldn't it? feel a little bit different. Oh, because I'm actually, I used to walk around the building and didn't really think about it too much. So we're designed to move around, solve problems, to essentially control our environment. And that's been done, been driven by autopilot. And what we, because we have survival brains, we, and, and that leads to survival habits, it's really easy to build lots of habits in the modern world that are really attuned to what we've evolved to do over 300,000 years but are seriously unhelpful for being healthy, for being happy, for being at our best. And this is takes us into the realm of destructive habits. So, you know, a destructive habit might be, now you're working remotely, you're working in the hybrid workplace, is that instead of going out at lunchtime like you would have done for a walk when you were going to the physical office space, that you say sat at your desk. Because you don't do any movement, that means that you are more lethargic in the afternoon. That means that it takes you, instead of doing a five-minute job in five minutes, it takes you 10 minutes. That means that instead of leaving, finishing work at five o'clock, you're now finishing at six o'clock. That means you're eating later. And because you're eating later, you're really hungry. That means you're eating more. That means you don't sleep as well tonight. That means that you feel groggy tomorrow. That means you're less likely to do exercise tomorrow. And it goes on on this big perpetual negative loop. So that what we mean by destructive habits is that, yeah, we've got all these habits, thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, driving our behavior right now. But some of them are are disproportionately more unhelpful than others. So if we can identify the ones that are more disproportionately unhelpful, like not going out to do some exercise at lunchtime and actually tackle that, it starts to eradicate a lot of the other unhelpful habits that spiral because of that unhelpful habit. So that's what I've uncovered over the years working with, I've worked with over 10,000 people in, in this space that if they can just start to manage a few of their habits, then it goes an awful long way in actually helping them to make some really quick and big positive gains in how they feel and how they're able to be at their best and how they're able to help others to be at their best. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that ripple effect of even just a couple really bad destructive habits and the negative impact that can have on, on various aspects of your life uh, that that can be so 
damaging, uh, so wide sweeping that if we can really focus in on just, you know, a couple of those things that can transform us largely, even though, like you said, 98% of our day is routine, you know, routinized habit, uh, where we're not fully conscious of all the decisions that we're making, all the things that we're doing. Um, we are creatures of habit and comfort and we like stability. We like uh, things to be predictable or at least have a facade of predictability. And so all of that, you know, goes into what makes us strive as humans and what we do and what we accomplish. Again, recognizing though, that there's going to be, you know, some of those key things that, you know, don't make up, you know, 1% of our output, our success, it actually can input, you know, impact 20%, 25% or snowball effect, you know, dominoes uh, knocking down, like you just said, with, with, eating and sleep and, and all of those sorts of things, they, they have such drastic and, and dramatic impacts on everything else um, that we, we can start there to overcome those destructive habits. So how do we, I guess it starts for me, it starts with how do we recognize if, if 98% of what we're doing every day is not being fully aware, fully conscious, and we're just kind of going through this routinized uh, motions of the day, how do we recognize those destructive habits uh, and then how do we move towards overcoming them? That's what everyone wants to know, how to do it. And I think just just to build on or summarize what you were saying, it's what we say as habit mechanics, because we we understand that habits are so central that if you really do want to be at your best in the world we live in, you've got to you've got to adapt that and, and adopt to the habit mechanic mindset, the habit mechanic identity. I'm a habit mechanic, I'm working on myself. Hence the whole the book and the whole approach. You're only ever one habit away. The next habit you build might be the one that just unlocks your potential. So, it, you know, you might feel like you're a million miles away right now from being at your best. But if you can just find that one thing, work on that. That can have surprising positive impacts on how you how you feel, how you how you think, and how you're able to be your best. How do you do it? Well we're not very good at being self-aware which no one wants to hear no one wants to hear that when i first heard the idea that habits are and if you went back a few years we'd say it was 95 percent, and now it's at least 98 and it's probably more when i first heard that i thought no no, no nonsense i'm i'm conscious clever you know a smart person there's no way that i'm being driven by all this mindless stuff when you start to dig into it, you see just how automatic everything you're doing is from how you breathe to your heart beating to how you're predicting the world around you. But we, so because our understanding of ourselves is limited, we have to very deliberately do more what we call of what we call intelligent self watching, which is to step back out of our automatic habit brain and just reflect and think about ourselves. And you can sim- you can start to do that simply by just doing something like, rating yourself how well on this question how well did you do your best to be your best and achieve your goals yesterday or if that's too far to think back so far today out of 10 10 would mean you were perfect one would mean that you failed so you give yourself a score out of 10 how well did you do your best to be your best and achieve your goals yesterday it's not about getting 10s every day it's just about recognizing where you are and if i say well i was a five yesterday right, what can I start to do today to give myself a better chance of being at a five and a half or a six and making that tiny adjustment? 
and then we can dig deeper. And you talked about the, the book's got over 30 uh, tools in it. These are the kind of self-assessment and habit-building tools that are packed in there. You can quite quickly start to get a better understanding of your habits by just doing some intelligent self-watching and using these, what we call habit mechanic tools. And the way I like to think about what my own being is that there's only 24 hours in a day. That's all that I've got. My, my day is a bit like a barcode in the sense of there are some black lines in there and some white lines or some blue lines and red lines if you want to do it in colour. Um, the 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 red lines are times in the day when I'm doing and thinking things that are not helpful for me being at my best. They're getting in the way of me being healthy, happy and doing the things that I'd like to do to, to make me feel fulfilled and, and joyful with my life. The blue lines are times of the day when I'm when I'm doing and thinking things that are helping me to be at my best. We've all got both colours running throughout the course of the day, but we're not really thinking of ourselves in that way. So it's about getting better, recognising where are the blue lines when you're doing helpful things, where are the red lines when you're doing unhelpful things. And we're just trying to target one unhelpful red line at, at a time. Those red lines are being driven by habits. They're being driven by automatic, semi-automatic processes. You know, things like beating yourself up. How much time in the day do you spend beating yourself up? Now, beating yourself up a little bit, it's not the end of the world because it can help you to learn and to make progress and achieve fulfilling, uh, meaningful goals. But doing it too often is bad. And guess what? The more you practice it doing it, the better you get because that's how habits work. The, we've got about 100 billion wires in our brain, neurons, and the more we practice something, the more of our wires get dedicated to that thing. So silently every day, we're practicing these really unhelpful things and getting better at them, getting better at the things that we don't want to get better at. And I think well, most people I've spoken to in lockdown really feel that they've developed more red lines in their day and silently developing more unhelpful neurons in their brain. So the first thing we need to do is self-watch. Yeah, the, the, the self-reflection, the continual um, uh, ability to self-watch and to, to pay attention to what we're doing, it doesn't need to take a ton of time. But if you just spend a little bit of time every day doing that, it can make a huge, huge difference. Uh, and as you were describing that, you know, I, I couldn't help but um, think about examples in my life of where I'm doing that, you know, and, and even while I'm doing it, I can recognize sometimes like this is not healthy. This is not helpful. This is not, I'm not accomplishing my goals because of this. Um, and so, you know, it's we might me feel good right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, there's, it's cathartic a little bit to, to unleash and to, to vent a little bit. Like there are times where that can be helpful and healthy, but if you fall into the habit of like, I found that there are certain people that whenever I interact with those people, it always ends up being a vent session. Um, and is that healthy? Are those healthy relationships? Um, being able to vent sometimes is fine and probably even uh, important and healthy. But if, if, if you fall into those same patterns all the time, uh, it can become destructive and then you or at least unproductive, right? If not destructive. So I, I think all of those, those elements are, are essential yeah and it's the understanding that the instinct is to pay attention to the threat and the problem and the worry feels counterintuitive but that's the defense survival instinct and the problem is is that 
they were largely developed for lions, tigers, and bears, which we don't have that much of anymore. But they're also developed for social status um, awareness because human beings are designed or human beings have survived and flourished because of their ability to work in teams. And if you're not in the team, your survival chances go down. So if people around you don't like you, you won't be able to pass your genes on and you've got less chance of surviving in the immediate future. So we're highly wired for this threat detection of what do people think about us, which is the P&R, ape brain model, a life-perceived energy brain. And it's easier than ever to be aware of what people are thinking about you in the social yeah. media age. So we're just on threat detection all the time and it becomes an unhelpful habit. Um, so the more we can understand about how our brain works, and in the book we've got our lighthouse brain model, which is the simplest way we can explain it, which I'm happy to go into here. And we talk about the eight brain model and we talk all the way into emotional regulation and, and those sites that, that drive that. But the, so the, so the self-awareness is even more powerful if you understand how your brain is designed. And that's where we always uh, start with people. But once you become aware of something that you might be doing that isn't particularly helpful, you get then got to think about, well, what could I do differently? There's a, there's a few different models we use here, but maybe the most helpful one this is quite a short interview is just to keep, so people have got something practical to take away from this talk is once you've, once you've uh, rated yourself out of 10, self-watching. You then need to work out, well, what, what can I be doing differently? And one of the simplest tools, and this is actually chapter one in the book, and it's a core part of our app, which we're launching in a few weeks. It's called the, it's called the Daily Tea Plan. So, this exercise is called the daily T plan. T stands for tiny empowering action. And that's, so that's, that's step number two. So you say, right, I, I, was a, I was about a five out of 10 yesterday. I want to do a bit better today. So what can I do? So you pick your tiny empowering action, your T. That could be, right, I'm only going to check the news once today. It could be, I'm going to go for a five-minute walk at lunchtime. It could be, I'm going to finish work at this time and write a positive written reflection. When, as, as my sort of draw, drawing the line in the sand at the end of the day. And you pick one tiny empowering action. And then the third thing that you say is, as part of what I'd call your plan to help you to do this, is you say, why, why are you going to do that? Well, if I only check the news once today, I'll be less distracted. I'll get more work done. I'll finish work on time. I'll feel better about myself. But doing that one tiny thing is going to unleash all this unhelpful, all this helpful stuff. If I go for a five-minute walk at lunchtime, I'll feel better. I'll be more productive in the afternoon. I'll get my work done more efficiently. I'll finish work on time. I'll get to spend time with my family. I'll get to bed on time, whatever. If I write a written reflection at the end of the day, I'm going to be able to reframe some of the unhelpful things that have, that have gone on, celebrate some of the things that have just passed me by that were really good, but my brain doesn't want to pay attention to those things. I'll be able to de-stress, switch off properly, activate my evening routines, sleep better, feel better tomorrow. So we self-watch out of 10, where were you? You pick your tea, your tiny empowering action, and you say why. And that's the tea plan, three simple steps. And that is a super habit. That's one of my super habits. 
So a core part of the Haber Mechanic University app that we're launching is that we just post our tea plans in the forum every day and we all support each other and, you know, we celebrate our successes together. And that's actually silently activating quite a lot of behavioral science, um, which we explain through our, what we call our nine action factors model, which are the nine factors that drive everything that we do. So if we want to build better habits, it's about getting out of our habit brain and then having simple, practical things that we can do that make it easier for us to practice thinking and doing things. And that's what the Habit Mechanic book is all about. It's not a book with one idea repeated 10 times. It literally is a manual for life. It's the toolkit for success. Tried and tested. This is all the programs we've been running for the last 20 years put into the book. We've got already got over 10,000 people using it. And actually the app is there to supercharge that, to, to make it easier for, even easier for you to do it. But I think one of the things that I see, which is connected to the misunderstanding of habits, is that I see businesses now, because I know this is HR, businesses now trying to make more change than ever before because they're being forced to do that. Senior leaders know what they want their people to do. And they create what I call knowledge-based strategies or logical-based strategies. And time and again, the change fails and they can't get their people to do what they want them to do. And the big thing now is people saying, yeah, I agree it's a good idea to do this, but I'm too busy to do it. Because actually I've developed quite a few unhelpful habits that are making me spend longer doing things that I could have previously done faster. And what what we're missing in all this is habits. They don't need to be knowledge-based strategies. They need to be habit-based strategies. We need to recognize, well, what are the habits that are going to actually allow my people to do the things we need them to do and actually that are going to make them more motivated, it's going to make them happier, and it's going to make them higher performing, and they're going to feel great about themselves. So in the minute we, we kind of change has become more important than ever before, but the main ingredient for change is invisible to us. It's not in any change management textbooks because we haven't understood this before. Mm. The number one factor that drives, well, the number one factor that stops change happening in your organization is that we massively overestimate the power of conscious behavior. We think Mm. if people know it, they'll do it. It doesn't work. The number one factor that will make change happen is habits. And the word culture comes from cultivate. It's, that's the Latin origin, which is farmers cultivating their crops. We can bring that into cultivating people. And what you've got to think about is creating the right environment, like your soil, that allows people to develop really good habits mm. and super habits and create yeah. that environment that makes it really easy. And, and if you think of what's actually happened with remote work is that before we had our crop in the same building, and we could kind of control the conditions and the temperature. And now it's almost like for part of the time, our crops being sent to the moon where we don't have, or we have very little control over the conditions. So actually just as habits have become more important, it's become more difficult than ever to help people to manage them. And we've become more reliant on people self-managing. So habits are so central to what we're doing and they've never been more important. And the good news is we can learn not only how to build them individually to make our own lives easier, but as senior leaders, we can learn how to 
create environments that make it easier for people to build better habits. Sorry, I John, love I went it. a bit of a tangent there, but I, I love it, John. This has just been a fascinating conversation. I think we could go on and on. Uh, I do note the time, and I'm going to have to let you go here and get back to your busy evening. Before we wrap up, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with my audience how they can connect with you, where they can find your book, how they can um, work with you and your team, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Yeah, well, thank you, John. The book is The Habit Mechanic. It's available on all major bookstores, including Amazon. The audio, It's only been out about three months. The audio book just came on Audible the other week, so super accessible now. We've actually got the Habit Mechanic University app coming out in a few weeks which glues everything together. You can go to our website, which is tougherminds.co.uk, which is T-O-U-G-H-E-R-M-I-N-D-S.co.uk. And I'm sure there'll be a link somewhere around the way you're viewing this or listening to it where you can click on. Um, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, it's Dr. John Finn, which is J-O-N-F-I-N-N. And... Yeah, if you've got any questions, happy to you know jump on a call or, or, or answer them. So just get in touch. I think the last thing I would say about this is that we have massively misunderstood habits because we've had lots of really well-intended books by people that are good at journalists that are good at explaining quite complex ideas and making them simple. But actually, the new science, the new tools we've, we've being given access to to look inside the brain and to better understand what actually drive human beings has actually shown us that what we what we thought we understood were habits are very different to actually what habits are that are silently driving our behavior pretty much 24 7 and if we can start to understand them and start to very deliberately work on them individually and collectively it's going to make the very challenging post-COVID world much, much less challenging. And it's going to be easier for us individually to feel more fulfilled and, and, and more successful and collectively more fulfilled and more successful. So I think that the habits are like a gold mine that we've just discovered. And it's, it's, it's ready to be excavated and for people to get all the rewards that gold can bring. And that's why we wrote the Habit Mechanic book. And that's why we've want to just help as many people as possible yeah. take this information and put it into practice um, so that they can be at their best more often. Wonderful. Thank you, John. It has been a pleasure. I encourage my audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what John and his team can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.